Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 154 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly, I wasn't going to say that anymore, podcast dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the third episode of September 2015, and joining me here in the studio, we have Mr. Brian Cook. Hey, what's up, everybody? And his wife, Rachel Cook, is here as well. Hi, how you doing? I'm actually, I'm a little sick. I'm a little under the weather. A little bit here too. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a while since I've recorded an episode of the Kaiju Cast where I was sick. So, uh, and because we are running out of days in this month, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we just got to do it. Yep, <laughs> and got to yep. get it over with. And and uh, so this is going to be probably somewhat brief of an episode, uh, or at least for a Daikaiju discussion. Don't expect a two-hour thing. Watch me say that now, and then two know, hours later, I know, and then we won't shut recording. up. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say there won't be any news. I know there are news items that need covering, and and you people out there, you know, you need your your news from us. I'm sure, but the uh, there's no. We're not going to cover any of that stuff tonight. We're just going to be talking about Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, giant monsters all out attack. That is our Daikaiju discussion. That was a birthday present that I gave to myself. <laughs> we watched uh, one of my favorite Godzilla movies. Yeah, because my birthday was yesterday. Happy was birthday. Happy well, birthday. you guys said that to me last night. I we know. went out last night. Well, this is for the show. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can talk about it for the show. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, we went to one of my favorite brew pub places in town, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And funny thing, it actually was Kaiju Cast people. Like, I invited my best friends, and my best friends are Kaiju Cast people. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, eventually we we ended up talking about stuff, but I want to thank Brian and Rachel and Martin and Jeff all for coming out and, uh, and hooking me up with some really cool stuff and having some beers and some food. Some of my favorite things to do. You're welcome. And, and chatting. <laughs> yeah, we had a great, great time. We enjoyed it. Rachel and Brian gave me an M1 Dimagine figure, which yeah. is, uh, I believe, from Return of Dimagine, where he you know turns red and parts the waves, just like Moses. And <laughs> it is super cool. And uh, it is right there up on my shelf. And Jeff gave me a book called Japanese Cinema Encyclopedia, which I do not own. And I cannot wait to check out. Um, we don't have any, any news, like I said earlier, but we do have music. In fact, this episode is going to be featuring nothing but requested music. And we're going to start things off with Underwater Kingdom Seatopia by Richiro Manabe from Godzilla vs. Megalon. And that was requested by Herman.
started things off with Underwater Kingdom Seatopia for Herman there, and then we the next song we played was Ultraman Max's opening credits, and that was specifically requested by Michael, and it's related to our Daikaiju discussion because uh, Shusuke Kaneko directed some, or one of the Max episodes, uh, and then we followed that up, our last song of the block was Godzilla's Rage from GMK for Joey, and uh, that brings us to our Daikaiju discussion. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film in the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I have randomly selected, somewhat, one movie to each month, ensuring that this podcast will go for a long, long time. And, uh, man, I can't wait to rewrite that when we <laughs> redo the Daikaiju discussions. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this month, we're talking about Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters All at Attack. The Japanese name of this film is Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Daikaiju, Sokugeki. And uh, as many people know, I freaking love saying that in Japanese. I guess so. Wow, I'm really impressed. Uh, and uh, it's something about the trailer when it came out. I was like, that guy, the dude who says that at the end. Because, you know, here in America, we have the inner world. Guy, right? <laughs> yeah. So in Japan, they have the guy who talks like this. And that's how he announces the movies. They also have the guy who says, Gamera 3. Yeah. Which I could also do that one. Um, but... You know, I guess I could link that by saying Gamera 3 as well as Gamera 1 and 2 were directed by Shusuke Kaneko. I was hailing him as a master director back when the second film came out, Gamera 2 Advent of Legion. Because I was, while I was blown away by the first Gamera film, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, I was utterly blown away by Gamera 2 Advent of Legion, which from start to finish in 1998, when I probably saw it, was like the best kaiju film I had ever seen. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow. So we've talked many times on the podcast about how Shusuke Kaneko's Gamera trilogy raised the bar for kaiju films. And in 2001, it was announced that he was going to be directing this Godzilla film. Now, there's a lot of things that you can read up on this. This Actually, I'd say this movie in particular – Mostly because Shusuke Kaneko has sort of befriended some American fans. They have, you know, gotten access to him so that he can tell stories behind this film. A lot of what we know as fans about the behind the scenes stuff on GMK is way more than what we know for any of the other Millennium films, you know, except mm-hmm. maybe, I think maybe we know a lot about the pre production behind-the-scenes stuff of Final Wars, but the other films, like, you know, Godzilla 2000, Megaguirus, and the the two Mechagodzilla movies, we don't really know much about them. I and mean, there are people on set and stuff, but, like, we have stories from Shusuke Kaneko that can be passed down <laughs> thanks to <laughs> people like Ed Gojicheski and Norman England and uh, other people who have interviewed Kaneko over time. And so... uh Thankfully, we know all these crazy things about the movie. So initially, it was, as as many people who listen to the podcast know, GMK was not supposed to be Godzilla fighting Mothra and King Ghidra. Uh, it went through many, many, many iterations. And the closest they got to something before it was changed to Mothra and King Ghidra was, and I think you know this, Rachel, it was Godzilla and uh, Angulus, Baragon, and Varan. Oh, yeah. I think I, yeah, yeah. I, I had heard that. 
And you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Angulus, Baragon, and Varan, especially mm-hmm. Varan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. love the that creature design. Um so at, you know, I found out about this afterwards that we weren't getting Varan in a movie because Toho had said you can't use those monsters. Nobody likes those monsters. Nobody knows those monsters. Mm. You've got to use King Ghidra and Mothra. And that is a huge bone that I have to pick with Toho on that particular thing. Anyway, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this movie is a milestone, in my opinion. You know, GMK is a great film. It's well-made, and it's smack dab in the middle of all of the craziness of the Millennium series where everybody was supposed to be coming up with their own singular individual stories with their own chronologies and so forth. And the only thing they had to do was acknowledge the very first movie. Then they could do whatever they wanted with the rest of the chronology. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking a little bit too much about this just because it's one of my favorite films (laughs) and like of all time, favorite films, not just Godzilla films. So we're going to go watch this movie right now, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the hell out of it. And we just finished watching Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters, all out attack. And uh, I've seen GMK probably more than any other Godzilla movie except for Monster Zero. Mm. It's one of those ones that, like, I love coming back to over and over again. I've made, <laughs> I've made uh, no false claims. GMK is definitely one of my favorite films, one of my favorite Godzilla movies, especially. And uh, I'm curious as to you guys' experience. Rachel, as the mm-hmm. newbie in the room, when mm-hmm. did you see GMK? Um, when was the first time I watched it? Was it just this year? No, I don't or think had so. I, I seen think it? it no, a... I think I've seen it before. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. I know I've sure. seen it before, and I always I forget what is it it is until I start watching it again. Although that's really every movie, but <laughs> and, then I, and I go, oh yeah, yeah, this one. It is kind of wonderful. She forgets every movie, so every couple of years I can show her the same old things again, and she's like, wow, that was good. It's wow, like brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You are the memento of kaiju just, audiences. I am. <laughs> yeah. It's like memento. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I have seen it, I, but I think I did watch it just recently. Mm-hmm. I watched it again um, because I'm going through the uh, Millennium series. Yes. Right yeah. now. Yeah. So, yeah. So I. It was after we watched, we watched Megagiras for an episode here. Right. And then we watched Godzilla 2000 afterward. And Mm -hmm. then after that, we watched GMK. Yeah. Okay. So how many times would you say maybe you've seen this? Like twice, three times? At least a couple times. I was like at Brian because I don't remember. (laughs) But Brian will remember better than me. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, She's seen it three or four times. I think I've seen it almost Wow, this was this might have been around the ten mark for me yeah. for seeing this movie. So I would not be surprised if this was around the thirty ish mark. Wow. It's just one of those movies that uh 
I, you know, every time it was available to me, I bought it. Yeah. So if it was a new version, <laughs> yeah. a new improved version, I bought it. Um, so I, I saw this movie when it came out, actually, I didn't see it in Japan. I saw it as soon as it was available in the States. And as a huge fan of Gamera, the, well, at least the Heisei Gamera, I love the old stuff too, but I'm really the, the big, big, big fan of the big Gamera fan inside my heart is of the Heisei mm-hmm. or for the Heisei. Anyway, so, uh, the deal with me is that I saw this movie when it came out and I was immediately blown away. I loved it. It's going to be really difficult for me to not just go on and on and on and on and on about how much I love this film because <laughs> we say a lot on the podcast that, you know, oh, this movie was just like almost there. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. so close. It was right there to being the perfect Godzilla movie. And I almost want to say that only really applies to this movie. Like for me, this movie is so close to being perfectly executed that it's unfortunate for the other films that I also say that about because this one really does work on maybe it, maybe the deal is that it works on different levels mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the other films that I say that about do. So sure. Maybe uh, like, let's say Tokyo SOS, right? Mm-hmm. The next two perfect Godzilla movie, because it was the most recent one made in Japan that wasn't the train wreck of final wars. Yeah. While Final Wars was enjoyable, it, you know, it was a joke, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and Tokyo SOS was serious, just like this one was a serious film. And what I'm thinking is maybe Masaki Tezuka was doing things that Kaneko was not doing. And those things were gelling and really working in his production. But, uh, Shusuke Kaneko was doing things in his production that no one else had done and made them like really work together. So maybe yeah. that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's just a give and take. I know there are a lot of people out there that love this film. I know there are people out there that hate this film. Um, and we did get some negativity and I'm really glad that we did get like, uh, people who actually, you know, articulated their points and said what, what it was they liked and didn't like. And I have read all of them. So I do sort of have like some ammunition going into it now, uh, because Jeff was unable to sit here with us. He's got family stuff. (laughs) Um, I will be playing the, the roles, both of myself and Jeff tonight. So when we're reading through (laughs) discussions, if someone makes an offhand remark at Mothra, if you guys do, I will try and take offense as Jeff would. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, well, let's go through, uh, initial thoughts. Rachel? Uh, I, I really enjoy this film too. I, I am always pleasantly surprised, but when I, um, can just, really get into the monster fighting mm-hmm. because I feel like if you watch a lot of Godzilla films, sometimes it just doesn't draw me in like, like this film does. Whereas like I get excited, like when like Baragon and Godzilla are fighting and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, and, <laughs> and like Baragon looks awesome with, I love his ear motions and stuff of going like yeah. back and forth and He's just very expressive. Yeah. Very expressive. And I just, and I, I love even his bright red color as opposed to more of the dark 
dirt mm-hmm. brown oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and I know they call him like the red monster and stuff, but I think it's, it's just more exciting and just, I, I got into that. And even, you know, later on with like King Ghidra and Godzilla when they're fighting and he's like biting his neck and it's all just crazy. His heads are all wrapped around. I don't know. I just get really into it. And I, yeah, and I, (laughs) and like, and it's really fun. And I, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of there, those scenes define what I love about Godzilla movies and about the, the, at least like the, the Godzilla fighting action. Um, but then also I love the human story element too in this film. I think it's executed very well. And so I think that it's just, it is a great, overall like combination of stuff yeah that i like in other films but put together really well so i'm curious actually because you made such a strong connection to uh the daughter in godzilla x mechagodzilla Uh literally the next film in the chronology here yeah uh and i was never able to make that connection Mm-hmm. With it, actually, I honestly, I'll say, I was never really able to make a connection with a lot of the characters in Masaki Tezuka's films. Mm-hmm. Sure, some of them, I, uh, you know, I can relate to or I can sympathize for, but I never really, really, really cared about those characters. And I mean, mm-hmm. that that goes for a majority of the Godzilla films. Yeah. You know, we like to talk about like, oh, the monster action is where it's at, but. Mm-hmm. I've said in the past that if you take a look back at all of the Godzilla films, all of the kaiju films, what are some of the best ones? The best ones have incredible monster action, mm-hmm. but they also have incredible human action as well. Sure. And and uh, the interaction between all of those aspects really is what would, I think, elevate a Godzilla movie out of the general fog of, like, monster movies. Right. Yeah. So – How does this movie work for you on that multi-level connection? I think, yeah, I don't connect with it quite to the level of I did with the little girl Mm -hmm. in Godzilla Mm -hmm. X Mecha Godzilla. However, um, I do love Yuri's character and I do think that, you know, I get that emotional draw to her of her being um even kind of a woman in a man's world a little bit um Absolutely. like no, i you, you know definitely bring that up so yeah. she has that I, dialogue in the film yeah says, exactly you know, men can do this but i can't so. yeah and so i think any woman can relate to that in some regard we've all been in those circumstances where you feel that way and um and luckily i mean we're in 2015 and at least here in America, at least my experience has been overall, I've experienced a lot of equality, which is great. And we're moving more and more towards that. However, there, there is still just elements that you see throughout life that makes you, that reminds you of that. And I thought she did a really good job of representing a strong female role and a strong female character and her really, um, pulling through and proving herself and, um, and then also her connection just with her father, I think towards the end is, is awesome. Just, I, oh yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. It's very, very human. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I talk a lot about, um, how I, I much rather see, I would much rather watch a film that has characters that I can actually relate to and feel connected to as the main characters. Yeah. Which is why I never really. Whenever it's like 
Oh yeah, we're gonna follow the military people around. I think that's mm-hmm. that counts against it just for me because I've never been in the military. I, right, I'm not a militaristic person. Well, um, and, so and all those military kind of scenes in all kaiju movies kind of come off very, very similar. You know, it a all lot of them up. do. Yeah. Yes, I will definitely agree with that. But in this film, I really do feel that the characters like. They were all developed into mm-hmm. at least something, and I mean, pretty much all of the characters. You could, if you were a crazy uh, comic book continuity person and like someone who really got into like the details of like almost like if there was a Godzilla expanded universe, <laughs> you could write a whole bunch of stuff about the characters in this movie. Yeah. Just even the little tiny parts, like mm-hmm. people that show up for, you know, a couple of minutes on screen, maybe have a few lines. They, they have like little ticks and little things that they do. And like, it's very, it's very easy for me to tell like, Oh, that person is uh, trying to have a little bit of privacy with his, his lover in the car. And, you know, it's like, there's all sorts of little things about this movie mm -hmm. that make it more connected to, you know, for, for humanity to me, I guess. Yeah. Best, I'll stop babbling now. The, <laughs> the best character tick is uh, the head of BS Digital where he's trying to quit smoking. Yep. So he's chewing on, I think, their octopus legs. Is that uh, squid, squid legs? legs squid yeah. Legs? Yeah. Dehydrated oh, squid yeah, legs. Oh, yeah. I meant to ask what those were. Yeah, those I was like, I legs. don't know what that is. That looks yeah, good. Okay. So that actually, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm sort of breaking our normal formula by talking about this just because I love the movie so much. But <laughs> that thing right there uh-huh. where he's chewing on squid legs to stop smoking. <laughs> it's something that we can relate to, but because there's this like uh cultural barrier there, this mm-hmm. movie seems like it has a lot of international appeal. Like I said, it's well-directed, well-acted, well-written in my opinion for the most part, but there's this cultural wall that is just like, what is he chewing on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are things about this film that make me go, I think I'd understand that a little bit more if I was actually Japanese. Right. Uh, so more so than other films, but at the same time, I don't feel excluded at all. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You know, um, you know uh, like Ultra Q and Ultraman and, and, you know, shows that Subaraya was marketing for, for sale. Mm-hmm. They were marketed to America. So there was like, they reduced the amount of visual Japanese you could see and hmm. made a point to add a lot of uh, English to the actual sets and stuff. Hmm. So this is one of those times where I'm like, yeah, this doesn't seem like it was marketed towards America at all. And it wasn't Hmm. obviously, but it's, God, it's just so, I don't even know how I'd even say this. I'm like, I completely at a loss for a word, one singular word to describe the experience of this movie, because it works on, for me on so many levels. And it seems so complex that you could really just peel back onion layers and, and really yeah. get into it, which is another reason I want to redo the commentary. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, I have digressed for much too long. Apparently my initial thoughts are just a jumble of words that fall <laughs> out of my head. So Brian, you've seen it a bunch. Yes. Uh, how did you first see this film? That was still the era of VHS bootlegs. Yes. So, yes. Uh, the same company that I got uh Gamera one through three from I got this one from and uh 
immediately watched it just like the gamer movies and loved it. It's been, I think it's probably my favorite of the millennium series. I okay. Mean, yeah. Easily, easily the, my favorite of the millennium series. But, uh, yeah, the, I, the characters strike me as just being so interesting and unique as well. I love Yuri and her father and all that. And that really struck me about the millennium series is I really dug Godzilla 2000 and the, the dad and the daughter who are the Godzilla prediction network. Mm-hmm. I really got into their like little story. So to me, this felt like, the next step, like they, they did it better in this one, yeah. but it was the same, same feel, the dad and daughter kind of thing. It really worked. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I love, there's so little to complain about in this movie. Um, I just love it. It's really one of the best ones. What a great segue. So with what little there is to complain about, let's hear some negativity about the film. Rachel, what didn't you like about GMK? Hmm. And feel free to nitpick because I have a, I, I'm going to be nitpicking a few different things and it's, there's a reason behind it, but go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say, I, I think that really the only thing that comes to mind is just that there is so much depth to it. Like, I feel like there are so many, like you said, like la- onion peels, yeah, like just layers, yeah, like yeah. that it, that it's almost too much at, to a point. But I, but I also like that about it. And so it's hard to really, but I, but at the same time, I, I kind of feel like as I'm watching it, sometimes I'm like, it's a little much to yeah. take in. Uh, so it's, it is one of those films why I think it works so well, though, is that it's one of those films that you want to watch again and again just to make sure you're Catching absorbing everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because and that's what I think makes a good movie that that uh, I don't say replayability because no, that, I have no, a video game, works. you know, <laughs> but the, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, you you want to watch it again and again, but it I think. If it's either been a while since you watched it or you have a memory like mine and you can't really remember it, <laughs> it, it maybe is a little bit overwhelming as you watch it that it's just like, there's so much. But at the same time, I'm, I'm enjoying the film so much that I can't really complain about that. Sure. Sure. So. What about when they try to drown that dog? Oh God, I forgot already. I would like to block <laughs> that out immediately. That is the, that's horrible. It is horrible. I hate it. It is horrible. Oh so much. And, and that cultural barrier, the cultural wall I was yeah. talking about, you know, uh, a, a perfect example of that is the motorcycle gang. You know, mm-hmm. I know people in America who saw that and were like, what is the deal with the clowns on the motorcycles <laughs> yeah. huh. and, uh, and the teens that break into yeah. the, you know, and there's the, like, you're saying that mm-hmm. with that complexity, you could like say, Oh, so what is the deal with those? Mm-hmm. Let me write a story about the teens who everyone hates. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I do. I yeah. hate those guys. Yeah. I yeah. can't stand them. The fact that they're, Breaking, they do so much in such a little amount of time. They break in, they, they get annoyed with the dog, they steal stuff, they try to, they try to kill the dog. Yeah. Which yeah. that alone, they try to kill a Shiba Inu. I mean, that, just, I, Hachi's to cousin. The infidels yeah. is what I say there. But uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty tough. Pretty yeah. Tough. And I, I mean, at least they did show that the dog was okay later, but yeah. I still, yeah. 
it is just heart wrenching <laughs> well, to see anything like that. It's horrific, and yeah. it's one of those yeah. things that we don't really see it represented in in media that much. No, and yeah, yeah it's, I don't know if that's an international thing or if that's, yeah. because, but it's absolutely shocking to see mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, other than that, what it reminds me of is just the the, the big animal rights activists, which. Like I'm all for, I'm, I'm huge in animal, animal rights as well. But, um, but when they post pictures of like animal rights violations, I can't hand like on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's like what it kind of reminds me of. And I know we're watching a movie and stuff, but it's just like, Oh my God. Like it just reminds me of how awful people can be. <laughs> and it's just like, I hate humanity. I but, actually, um, yeah. I think th- that statement you just said, it mm-hmm. reminds you of how awful humans can be. I'm pretty sure that was what he was going for. What right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. For. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he nailed let it. Me share, <laughs> let me, well, in, in that, yeah. at that same, in that same vein, I think that's a very cultural thing. Mm-hmm. There are so many layers to this movie. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god! Yeah, it's true. I could sit there and I could watch this movie with a little tape recorder or a little MP3 recorder or whatever, and just like watch it, hit pause, and be like, "Let me tell you about this particular little thing and what mm-hmm. I want to dive into." Because you can dive deep yeah. into this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that. Those teens. That's mm-hmm. a problem, and sort of plays into the whole overarching idea behind the movie that people. Today in Japan or in 2001 in Japan, mm-hmm. they don't care about the past. They don't care in, in yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. The past can also represent – I should take a, take a step back and put a disclaimer out there. This is a theory of mine, something I came up with when I watched the movie, not something that came out of the director's mouth at all. But my theory is that basically Kaneko was pointing at a ton of little things that are annoying about – society today in Japan or in the world, mm-hmm. right? And he's pointing a finger at those and then targeting those with monsters. Yeah. So, for example, the jerk kids, right? The teens that break into the thing, try and kill the dog. Mm-hmm. There's a problem with like the lack of respect in today's youth mm-hmm. for sure. To the traditions of old and in Japan, tradition is huge, right? Yeah. So, absolutely, you know, the, the, if, uh, if you go, if you speak to your boss, you're supposed to say, Ohio gozaimas, right? That gozaimas at the end, which uh, Ohio gozaimas would be good morning. You'd say, I'd say Ohio to you because you're my buddies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if I said Ohio to my boss, then that would be a lack of respect, right? Hmm. So the, the teens today have a lack of respect. And that's one of the things that Kaneko was pointing at. The people have forgotten about the horrors of World War II, mm-hmm. but it's not just mm-hmm. they, they've forgotten about it. They're like choosing to ignore it. And the, the, oh man, it's just, and they're even saying that about. Godzilla yeah. is a legend. They don't even believe yeah. that yeah. Godzilla yeah, could yeah, be coming back. Yeah. yeah. It's like people today have forgotten the, the, about the tragedies of World War II and, and how everybody gave their lives on both sides for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people today have also forgotten about Godzilla. They don't believe he exists. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I go on and on about how yeah. much I love mm-hmm. the layering in this movie. So Brian, what about you, man? Give me something negative. Oh man. My negative thing was the thing you were about to delve into, which is no, what, go ahead. Go what, ahead. what we could have had. Uh, it is, uh, it is disappointing. Uh, 
I, I guess I will phrase this by saying I don't think I like how Mothra and King Ghidra are used. Mm-hmm. And when you know that that was supposed to be Varan and Angulus, that's even more disappointing. Uh, but it isn't. It it is. It doesn't hurt the film, and they're used decently. Uh, but when you know those characters, if you if you can't divorce divorce yourself from what those characters were. It's it's a little disappointing. So th- I think actually the first time through, that did strike me as like, oh wow, what a weird use of King Ghidra. That that's I'm not pleased with that. But it's you are not me. alone. There are oh, a yeah. lot yeah. of people that share that sentiment. Why is King Ghidra a wimpy hero? Yeah, right. I must ask because I think I know Rachel. At the time, you wouldn't have been involved with any of this stuff, right? 2001. Um, so you didn't. Oh know any, gosh, no. About yeah. You. So, Brian, what did you know about this movie before you watched it the uh, very I, first time? I just knew Kaneko, mm-hmm. Higuchi, Ko Otani. I knew that the people that were going to work on it from the Gamera movies. Um, and, man, I think that might be it. I might have seen the poster with uh, Baragon on it. I think it's the one that you have over yeah. here that has kind of the Showa Baragon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know a heck of a lot. I went into it pretty, pretty cold. So I'd stopped reading G-Fan around that time. Around the time of the TriStar movie, I stopped reading G-Fan because it was kind of easy at that point to find Godzilla news. True, true. Yeah. The internet had kind of fully come into its own as opposed to five years prior when you needed a G-Fan to know what was going on. So. Oh yeah. Cause you weren't going to find any of that stuff on the internet <laughs> no, beforehand. Yeah. Not, it, I know that sounds really <laughs> strange. <laughs> Especially to kids today. <laughs> no, you mean uh, it, it wasn't at your fingertips at the, all, at all hours of the day. At one point there was like one site in English about Godzilla. <laughs> Barry's temple. I was of Godzilla? just about to say yeah. Barry's temple of Godzilla. So <laughs> looking at that site, I was like, wow, what's a space Godzilla. That's amazing. You know, but yeah, quick, quick digression on my part. That's the website that made me go, what? They're still making Godzilla movies. Yeah. You know, when I got yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, it, that is weird to think that there was a time when, and when there was nothing, but yeah, I went into it very, very much unaware of what I was about to see. So, yeah. Okay. So I guess I should talk about what I don't like about this film. And, and basically it just boils down to the fact that so much of it, in my opinion, is really perfect that the flaws stand out much, much more. So little things like the seam around Baragon's neck yeah. bugs me. And I'm, I apologize in advance for <laughs> any, any other things that I'm going to like make people see. That I was going to say, I, I didn't notice it. So now, <laughs> now I'm going to see it. No, no, you'll forget. <laughs> you'll oh yeah, forget, that's actually yeah. very true. <laughs> I think I brought this up in the commentary. The editing is really good, except in the parts where it's not. So, like, for example, a lot of people complain about Godzilla walking past the hotel and then smashing the hotel mm-hmm. with his tail. My complaint about that isn't that Godzilla smashed a hotel with his tail and, you know, is a bad guy. My complaint is that the tail hits the building and then you see it stick there for a second and they just should have cut away sooner. And there's a yeah. couple, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that, you know, like I love that Godzilla suit. I love the look of the eyes. I don't care. It did not bother me in the least. In fact, the first time I saw it, I was like, hell yes, yeah. that's the Godzilla right there. That's a great looking Godzilla. 
So, uh, so, but things like, you know, I know that they couldn't make the suit the way that they wanted. Mm -hmm. So in order to execute Godzilla, well, that sounds like they're killing him. In order to make Godzilla (laughs) the way he needed to be for the movie, they had to take some shortcuts or they had to do some things that he basically has these crazy high platform, (laughs) you know, shoes on. There's this huge heel in the, in the back of the, where the heel is of Godzilla, but it's supposed to be raising up the legs to make it look more dinosaurian. But because it was too difficult on the, on the actor inside, he just couldn't do that lean forward thing that they wanted. And unfortunately I got to say the suit design and execution suffers a little bit because of it. Now that doesn't bother me. I don't like the movie less. Uh, It's just one of those things that because it's a, it's a little flaw amongst such, beautiful filmmaking, it really stands out a little bit more than normal. Yeah. So there's a bunch of things like that that bother me, but it doesn't take away from my enjoyment. It's just as a uber nerd, I go, oh, man, if only they had taken a little more time with that. The suit is a little saggy because of the changes, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it, it just, his arms are, I don't know, it's not that he doesn't look correctly bulky, but it does, there are especially a few shots in the movie where it just, he looks like he has little dinky T-Rex arms because of the angle of the camera. Yeah. And yeah, I think if he were to be kind of, you know, upright, like a T-Rex, like say the Jurassic Park T-Rex, his arms would be in a much better position, but. Yeah. Well, that's how they wanted to do it. Like when Kaneko unveiled, I didn't see video of it, but I, I saw photos when he unveiled the maquette of the Godzilla 2001 technically design it was just so like just it reminded me i said this in the very first episode of the kaiju cast it reminded me of ricardo delgado's godzilla designs that he did for the uh i don't know if it was the tristar picture or somebody else's american godzilla but he did some some work for this stuff it looks so similar to what we got in gmk Hmm. It's almost impossible for me to think that it was a coincidence. It's like somebody yeah. looked at that and said, yes, that's awesome. We're going to file that away, put it on my Pinterest board back in 2001. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's great. But, um, you know, uh, so let's talk about what our favorite parts of the movie were. What did you like the most about GMK, Rachel? Well, I I think I um, I really – I love the monster fighting. Um, I, I think I just – I got so into it and I thought it's the most fun part of the movie to me is just getting really into that. And they la- the scenes last for quite a long time too, especially I know the Baragon fight just, um, there's a lot of elements to it and it's not just quick and over with like one quick shot. Um, whereas I mean, later on in the film, I think that they do have a few more just quick shots of stuff, um, between, Godzilla and Mothra and, and, um, and Godzilla and King Ghidra. But, uh, but I just, I, I got a real kick out of that. And, and I think just also, uh, I enjoy the story. I think that it's a, it's a good story and, um, and it's fun. There's again, so many layers to it. And yeah, it's a so. solid, really solid story. Yeah. You know, even with the changes that had to happen, you know, to make, to make the film mm-hmm. and maybe we'll dive if we, when we do 
down the road future talk <laughs> here, but like when we do the, you know, the new commentary, I want to go into all these deep dive things, you know, oh, sure. really, mm-hmm. really yeah. just turn it into something really enjoyable. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> yeah. to listen to. Uh, what about you, Brian? What, what was your favorite aspect of GMK? I think the thing that strikes me the most is the, the symbolism about war, about particularly World War II. Sure. Because, yeah. uh, the original movie was such a, such an amazing statement, such an amazing anti-war statement, um, that I felt that this movie, I wouldn't say it's the, the only other one to do it because it's been a theme in a lot of Godzilla movies, the anti-war kind of thing. But, yeah, yeah. uh, I think this is one of the better versions of it, maybe because it's so modern. So it speaks to me a little bit more. But yeah, having Godzilla be the personification of all of the the dead soldiers and even the sequence where Godzilla is attacking and it shows a teacher in a school and she says, now everyone get under your desks and they all witness a, an explosion. You know, that's that would be fairly graphic if you were connected to the events of World War II. Sure. It's, yeah. It's a huge statement. And, and I really I read into stuff like that in movies. And I really dug that, especially the first time I saw it. I, I really was impressed that they had, they had gone that route. And I think that's, that's easily my favorite thing is just the personification of Godzilla as this avenging, maybe not avenging, avenging could be the wrong word, but just chaotic spirit. Sure. You know, sure, yeah. um, maybe, yeah, I want to, I want to hesitate to say avenging, but yeah, just chaotic spirit that needs the earth to heal it in a way. I think that element of the storyline is easily the best. So Right on. I guess my favorite part about this movie is too difficult for me to nail down. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, I mean, really, like, the, my favorite part of this movie is probably Godzilla's suit. If you had to, yeah. you know, that look, mm-hmm. I love it. In, in the, you know, the white eyes, people complain so about cool. that. Some people I love complain it. about that. Really? I love it. And when... uh I mean, even seeing old posters, that's a thing that happens. Like they, mm-hmm. Godzilla's on several posters with no pupils, you know, yeah. from back yeah. in the sixties and stuff. So I don't know why somebody necessarily made that decision except for the fact that, you know, I think it's because Godzilla is possessed by these spirits of the dead and that possession is sort of what's giving him the white eyes. I don't care about that necessarily for the white eyes. I just think it looks badass. It looks yeah. so cool. Yeah. And to this day, I really do think that that is the one of the coolest looking Godzillas that we've ever had. Like the Heisei design, mm-hmm. the Showa designs. Like I love those. But this Godzilla, when I see him, I think, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> like that's yeah. good. That's a big, beefy monster. You know, and this is I, – I mentioned earlier that this movie is like – so close to being perfect. What I didn't mention is that Godzilla in this movie is so close to being the perfect Godzilla for me anyway. I mean, these movies, we talk a lot about, oh, it'd be really cool to see a nice realistic Godzilla, right? So Mm -hmm. we, especially when the three of Mm -hmm. us and Jeff went to go see Godzilla 2014, I kind of expected it to be like this movie in vibe. This movie is a scary Godzilla film. 
but it's not something that would give me nightmares, right? Right. And 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 I don't think it's something that would give a lot of people nightmares. I just think it's one of those things where there's this lovely balance between scary and funny, and they really mm-hmm. like Kaneko really hit it well. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. to offset the terror of Godzilla like literally destroying a city in this in this reality, they've offset it by some characters that have some quirky mannerisms. And I, I I just, I appreciate that so much because I feel like we did not get that from, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say ever since like 1968, we don't really have characters that really feed into real people's like mannerisms and yeah. so forth. I mean, right. everything, I mean, everything from 60, yeah, I would go so far back as to say 68, you know, there's got to be exceptions. I know that Oh yeah, there have oh, to be sure. exceptions to this rule that I'm making up. But if you think about the connections that you could potentially make with the characters in the in the 70s, eh, you got to really push. You got to work to make those connections. You have to mm-hmm. work to really believe those movies are happening. And for me, GMK is so close to reality and in, in the ways that people act and the way that people would react, right? If yeah. Godzilla was a real thing happening. For me, that's one of the reasons this movie stands out so much. And I, really, that's probably, that's probably one of my favorite things about it is the fact that we have this movie, which is close to being the perfect kaiju film. I'll actually say that instead of being the perfect Godzilla movie, because, you know, oh, when you yeah. start throwing mm-hmm. in that whole mythos stuff and, you know, Oh, they changed what Godzilla really is and they changed what Ghidra is. You know, I can understand how that could attribute to somebody's negativity about the film. But really, if you're talking about just a kaiju film, this movie is on point. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that's me going off on, on how much I love the film. Uh, final thoughts. Um, I highly recommend it to both uh, kaiju fans and non-kaiju fans. I would say it's just, it's, it's a great movie and I thoroughly enjoy it. And I think that it's, it's a lot of fun, a good movie that you can watch even by yourself. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, what about your final thoughts? Um, yeah, this is the best of the millennium movies. It's in, it's one of my top favorite Godzilla movies. Uh, I used to show this movie to people that had no interest in the series and they, literally dug it they really got into it they were like wow it was fun i wasn't expecting it to be fun and i didn't expect the characters to be neat and i didn't expect the effects to be that cool because i was showing people yeah, yeah a godzilla movie and they hadn't seen one since they saw one on tv that may have been from like the 60s or so but uh yeah this i i this is one of the most recommendable godzilla movies or kaiju movies that i could uh sure yeah, ever yeah. point someone to yeah i mean my final thoughts I top three, you know, top, probably top two for me. You know, I love monster zero. I love GMK and, uh, that order sometimes switches. And right now, because we just finished watching GMK, GMK is so good for me that it's just at at the top of the list. And I absolutely have shown it to people like you have, who have never seen a Godzilla movie before. Um, I actually, I believe we talked about this. 
when Lady Kyle and I first got together, I was like, I will, let's watch a Godzilla movie. So we watched GMK. I thought the same thing. You know, I'll show her something with updated graphics, you know, yeah. something mm-hmm. with like cool, cool effects and it's not going to look too dated. And I was somewhat surprised that she what didn't really care for it so much. She was like, yeah, I'd rather watch an older one. And then we watched Destroy All Monsters. She was like, I loved that. Like, nice. that's what she likes. <laughs> nice. So now I know I uh, what to show her from what eras. But, you know, I, I just – I've read some of the negative comments about the film and I just don't agree with them so much. It's fine. People have their own opinions and oh, so yeah. forth. But yeah. uh, So I wouldn't go so far as to call someone wrong. But – Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to our listener homework. We actually got three people who sent in their audio homework for GMK, and we're going to start things off with Mr. Robert Wright Stasco. Hello, this is Robert Wright Stasco from CTGPodcast.com, and I'm here to bring you my review for Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. Now, I first ran across this movie in 2003 when I began working at Blockbuster. Uh, At the time, me and Godzilla were not on speaking terms. I had been very betrayed by the Matthew Broderick 1998 Godzilla film. It just wounded me that much. But when I saw this movie on the shelf at Blockbuster... I felt a rekindling of that love I had as a child watching Godzilla movies on Saturday afternoons, and I brought it home, and I popped it in my DVD player, and my mind was blown. I fell back in love with Godzilla because of this movie. It was amazing. The music was great. The opening lines where they jokingly dismiss the Godzilla, it, it made it all better. It, it healed my heart. Um, and I watched the rest of this movie with joy, with glee. Uh, the, the way that Godzilla and his dead zombie eyes uh, hunted out all those who did not believe in him anymore and crushed them and blew them up. It It was a a good cathartic experience. Later, as I learned more about the movie and uh, got into my own podcast about uh, film and religion and how the two intersect, I started looking at some of the the religious elements of this movie, probably the main part being that uh, Godzilla is more of a spiritual force than just a a nuclear metaphor. He contains the souls of those who lost their lives in World War II, and he's back Uh, to ensure that people never forget that horrible tragedy. The other guardian monsters are are spiritual beings as well. They seem to get their power and are awakened by these Jizo Bosatsus, or kind of Bodhisattva. In in Buddhism, a Bodhisattva is a soul that attains nirvana, that escapes the never-ending cycle of death and rebirth, but chooses not to enter nirvana, total oblivion, in order to help other people attain that. That's what these little statues seem to do. They're like spiritual aids, because Jesus, uh, this particular person, was a bodhisattva who gives aid to anyone, no matter what, and he's is aiding the guardian monsters to, to help defeat Godzilla. So that's just a little thing that uh, is not so much culturally relevant to us as Americans, who are mainly from a Judeo-Christian background, but after studying this a little bit, it it adds a a really nice depth to this movie. 
So uh, I highly recommend this movie. This is probably one of the best Godzilla movies ever made. And it's one I can watch over and over again. All right, and then we're going to move on to Nick Cloutier. Greetings, KaijuCast. Nick Cloutier here with uh, making my debut Taikaiju discussion submission with GMK. And it is indeed, as you put it so uh, succinctly, Kyle, a polarizing film. And I happen to fall into the camp of fans that love it. Now, I understand that you want this review to be short, so I'll keep it short. Uh, and I won't even focus on a lot of the things that people tend to point out from time to time, such as the origins of the monsters have been changed and uh, they don't like the mystical aspect. I want to just point on one or two things that people may not necessarily talk about all the time. The first that I tend to think about when I see this film is that the cinematography that Shizuke Kaneko uses is actually feels, it feels like a film. And it feels like it was the last uh, millennium era film to feel like it was filmed on film, if that makes any sense. Uh, what I mean is that uh, Masaki Suzuka in his next two films, and even in Megaguirus, seemed to overlight in his cinematography, which made the film kind of feel like it was almost like a TV drama. And that's, that's no knock against Suzuka-san, but it's just a criticism that I've noticed. And when I just recently watched the film, I thought, huh, that is something, something worth looking at. Secondly, Yuri's desire to be taken seriously as a reporter hits quite a personal chord with me because I work in television news and her struggle is very, very real. Every reporter, everyone who's in journalism strives to have that big breakthrough moment, that, that time when they can say, I was there for this story. And when I recently watched GMK and she's having that discussion with her father, the Admiral, I, I have to say, I identified so clearly with her. And it's a real testament to Kaneko's desire to make fully fleshed out characters. Now, like I said, this review is going to be short, so I'm keeping it short, and I'm just going to close with, I think GMK is an excellent entry into the Godzilla series, probably the best out of the millennium era. And because of that, I give it 4.5 Satsuma subs out of 5. Perfect for newcomers. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Nick. And we are going to move on to Derek from Monster Kid Radio. He sent in his homework. Yo, what's up, gang? This is Derek M. Cook from Monster Kid Radio. First off, it was awesome to see everybody at Rose City Comic Con. Had a blast participating in the game show and just hanging out with you guys and hanging out at the booth. Awesome. Loved it. On to the movie. Godzilla, Mothra, and Kinky Grub. Giant monsters all out attack. Wow. What a film. What an incredible film. Now, having finally embraced the kaiju thing vibe-ness, whatever, after having finally embraced that after the King Kong versus Godzilla screening at the Hollywood Theater that Kyle introduced a few years ago, I've gone and I've watched pretty much all the Godzilla movies. I made my way through. I marathoned through all of them. And I watched this one. It didn't really stand out to me at the time. I was really more invested in the Showa and the Heisei series. Going back to watch this again for homework... Oh, wow. This is awesome. Now, 
I do think it's interesting to see a monster like Ghidra turn up as the hero, but I'll take that if I can get Godzilla as the villain. I love Godzilla as the monster, as the bad guy. Now, I dig the Heisei series, and I know Godzilla's role in those films kind of go back and forth depending on what's going on or where you're at in that series of films. In this one, though, in Giant Monsters All Out Attack, there is no question Godzilla is the villain. He is the threat, the antagonist, and unless Mothra, King Ghidra, and another monster all team up, well, all is lost. I'm assuming you guys will have hit all the same points that I would normally hit if I were talking about the movie on my own show. So I will just say this. I'm always struck. I'm always taken aback when I watch a kaiju film and I see imagery directly related to an atom bomb. And in this film, it's got probably one of the most effective, one of the most jarring, one of the most scary moments. And I'm talking about when Godzilla's fins light up. And then you see the back of his throat start to glow and that ball of energy starts to come out and there's this slight <gasps> inhale and you know, he's about to blast something and he does, but instead of staying on Godzilla or even staying on whatever it was he's about to destroy, we immediately cut to a classroom of kids and the windows all flash bright and they all turn and look and there's the mushroom cloud out in the background. Oh man, I got chills at that moment. It is such an effective scene and sequence, and it shows the destructive power of something like Godzilla. And maybe it's a way for the Japanese to continue to deal with some of the imagery of a war that concluded 50 something years ago, at least at the time of the production of the movie. I don't want to get too deep because this movie is also just a lot of fun. Highly recommended. I dig it, man. I can't wait to hear what you guys and gals think. All right. So there you go. Those are our three audio homeworks sent in. Remember, this uh, option is open to anybody who wants to send in their homework. You can either call it in via voicemail. That number is 786-505-2458. Or if you have the equipment to record your own MP3 file and email that to me, that is completely acceptable as well. Uh, the three rules are one, don't go over three minutes. Two, don't swear. And three, just try and have your talking points hammered out before you even make the call. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our normal written homework. All right, so we're going to start things off with Herman, who says, The Godfather, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane. All these films have one thing in common. They are almost as good as GMK. Seriously, Herman always needs a smoke after watching this movie due to its orgasmic level of kaiju bliss. Don't know if that's family friendly. Maybe I'll leave it in. <laughs> that's colorful. <laughs> awesome. Herman loves how Kaneko accurately shows that nothing can defeat Godzilla. Even the power of the usually formidable King Ghidra is rendered limp and impotent. Wow. What's going on in Herman's life? <laughs> When placed before the might of Godzilla, Godzilla is rightly shown as the king of the monsters. He alone decides when to be mankind's benign benefactor or the dreaded instrument of mankind's judgment. So, King Ghidra's unusual role as the protector of Japan is insignificant. No matter what their alignment might be, all who dare challenge Godzilla are destined to be greeted by a fiery demise. Hail to the king. Once again, Kaneko demonstrates he has the perfect grasp on how to make effective kaiju movies because, like his Gamera films, GMK has awesome monster-to-monster -monster melee battles. 
it's sad that it took a genius like Kaneko to accurately depict how a battle between Godzilla and Mothra would really play out, but Herman loves how it's shown in GMK. It was sweet when Mothra tries to fly up behind Godzilla only to be decimated in a blazing inferno. This movie refutes, rebukes, and dejects the insult to his majesty that is known as Godzilla vs. The Thing, a.k.a. Mothra vs. Godzilla, with complete divine justice. <laughs> Revenge! <laughs> Eleven out of ten weeping Jeffs standing over singed, smoldering Aww. Mothra carcasses. And this is where Jeff would say, uh, I don't know why you got to be like that, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My Jeff impersonation, everybody. Clancy says, hey, Clancy, by the way. no, <laughs> We met Clancy at the listener party. Yeah. So yeah, good to meet great. you, man. Uh, GMK is not Clancy's favorite film of the Millennium series, but it is still one that he loves watching. He feels it is a solid film with a killer Godzilla design and a great cast of classic kaiju, including his favorite, Mothra. Hey. A Jeff wait, would wait. applaud. Yeah. yeah. We need a Jeff impression. I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he enjoyed that the two major battles each had a distinct vibe. You get a daytime brawl with Baragon that felt like a Showa-era fight. Then you have the all-out battle with Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah taking place at night in the middle of the city. His favorite moment of the film is during that fight. Godzilla stands victorious at the edge of the water when all of a sudden a burning Mothra descends upon him. Godzilla dispatches her with his breath, only to have magical Mothra dust revive the downed King Ghidorah. It's breath weapons back and forth between the giant beasts until everything erupts into flames. A sequence that does justice to these epic characters. Clancy would highly recommend showing this film to a kaiju newbie, especially if an older film would be hard to sell. It has a classic cast, a basic but interesting story, and wonderful action and effects. It's a perfect gateway to something else. Like Mothra or King Ghidra? How about this next? Like Baragon? We can watch Frankenstein Conquers the World and then follow it with War of the Gargantuas because it's way more metal. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Sean writes in to say that in response to Kyle's challenge to come up with a reason why GMK sucks, well, it can't be done. GMK is, in Sean's opinion, the absolute highlight of the Millennium series and a welcome return for one of his all-time favorite kaiju, Baragon. Sean could praise this film to no end, but rather than doing that, he will only mention his one and only point of contention slash criticism for this film, the concept of King Ghidra as a hero. To Sean, this is like having the Joker, Two-Face, and Catwoman team up to save Gotham City from an evil Batman. Though it is an interesting idea, in the end it just goes against what we as fans know to be the accepted mythology and the gospel truth of the Toho universe. See, that's where I don't actually have that feeling. I mean, I'm like, when I saw this, I never said, like, what? King Ghidra as a hero? You know, it just was one of those things. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm down. Let's do this, Toho. Yeah. On the other hand, King Ghidra has proven to be a monster for any and all occasions, whether he is, oh, this is an excellent point, by the way, whether he is the destroyer of worlds, a favored weapon in an alien invasion scheme, the bioengineered weapon of people from the future, a child kidnapper, or an ancient guardian of homeland Japan, King Ghidra, like Godzilla, just seems to fit the mold of whatever role said film calls for. Yeah. 
Whatever his role may be, one of Sean's all-time favorite kaiju has and always will be King Ghidra. No matter what, he remains awesome because Sean has always had a fascination with multi-headed creatures. Now, in all honesty, Kaneko's original concept to bring back Varan and Angulus for this film would have proved to be far more desirable than using Mothra and King Ghidra for the zillionth time. Jeff inserting, Oh, hey, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But at least he kept Baragon for the final product. Granted, Baragon has one of the worst fight records. <laughs> he got his <laughs> rear end handed to him by Frankenstein. He, he did fare pretty well against Godzilla, but it would have been nice if Baragon had retained his red atomic heat ray and the glowing element of his nasal horn. Knowing that GMK was coming off of the tremendous wave that was Gamera 3, Sean certainly had high expectations for it, or at least high hopes, because let's face it, Gamera 3 set the bar very, very high, and it seemed to establish a whole new era in which kaiju films could be made with a seamless blending of suitmation and CGI. To a point, GMK did live up to the standard quite well, both in terms of special effects and storytelling, it just wasn't as dark and dramatic as Gamera 3. Nor did it need to be, because all Godzilla films are, at their core, fun and entertaining. And that's exactly what GMK manages to be, a fun, entertaining, nostalgic G-flick. That's why Sean gives this film 9 out of 10 D-03 warhead missiles. He'd give it 10 if it featured the Gotengo and the Mazers, as director Kaneko had originally hoped. Joey asks, what happens when you get the director of the Gamma trilogy to direct a Godzilla movie? Is it one of the best films in the series? In Joey's opinion, it is. The practical effects are fantastic, the Godzilla suit is fantastic, and the music is fantastic. Did he mention that this film is fantastic? <laughs> Some of the CGI shots do not hold up, like King Ghidra's CGI, but this is still one of Joey's favorite Godzilla movies and kaiju films, period. He would recommend this to a newbie and gives it 8 Burning Mothras out of 10. Mike Keller says that objectively speaking, GMK is probably the best Godzilla film to come out since the end of the Showa era, and this leaves him little choice but to point out a lot of nitpicks. Oh, all right. I'm into it, Mike. Mike thinks that this film is a textbook example of how sometimes a studio should just step back and let the filmmaker create the film he or she wants without interference. Of course, there are times when the opposite is true, and a studio probably should rein in an out-of-control megalomaniac who's gone over the deep end. George Lucas, Mike is looking at you. But it'll probably be a while before Kaneko succumbs to celluloid senility. GMK would have been so much better with Varan and Angulus instead of Mothra and Ghidra, as was Kaneko's original intention, but Mike can't review the movie we could have gotten. He has to review the movie that we did get. And that other movie wouldn't have been called GMK anyway. Actually, the biggest casualty of, the, of this creative change is Ghidra himself. The role of the hero just doesn't suit him. Not to mention that from a purely aesthetic standpoint, this, inc <laughs> this incarnation of the three-headed monster looks pretty sorry. I will agree with that, although I really do like the fact that they pulled in some of Varan's, like, head pieces. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, that make up his, his design and gave those to King Ghidra to make him a little more reminiscent of, of Varan. Mike has heard Kaneko talk about the difference working for Toho as opposed to Daie. With Toho, he had a lot of money, but little time to work with. With Daie, he had little money, but all the time he needed. It's obvious from comparing GMK to Gamera 3 that time is the more valuable asset of the two. With more time, many of the visual kinks in GMK could have been ironed out, such as the unfortunately ropey CGI work. I thought it was about 50-50. Like, half the shots looked really good. Like, mm -hmm. Godzilla under 
like falling into the into, into the, the bay and like turning around and swimming yeah. with it looks fantastic. But the yeah, the rockets looked really yeah. CGI. And, and Gidra Gidra rising up after Mothra revives him, that's probably the worst piece of yeah. CGI in the movie. Yeah. The one the where Ghidra is flying around Tokyo Bay mm-hmm. looks pretty good though. That's true. Mm-hmm. Looked actually better than the suit, so that when it cut back to the suit, it was like, nitpicky. Anyway, Mike has read a lot of literary Japanese science fiction, and he notes one thing that's immediately striking is that the line between fantasy and sci-fi is much more blurry in the East than it is in the West. The term science fantasy is much more of a thing in Asian countries. Mike thinks that this may be because a lot of supernatural beliefs are taken for granted in places like the Japanese Isles. Many don't even think to consider that the existence of such things as ghosts and spirits might not be reality. GMK exemplifies this and is in fact more of a fantasy film than any other entry in the series. Mike has seen different presentations of the film, including theatrical screenings. Darkness has been a problem in some of these, the effect being that Godzilla looks like Spot from the Munsters. All you can see are his eyes and his teeth. There was correction done to the U.S. release DVD to compensate for this, but the trade-off is that we get the idiotic dub titling. Good luck, you're all going to die, was never part of the original dialogue. (laughs) I will add my least favorite part of that is when they're underwater and they're attacking King Ghidra accidentally. Mm -hmm. In In the Japanese version that I saw... Actually, total sidebar. You know how you, when you hear a song for the first time, even if it's a cover song, but you don't know it's a cover song, and you're like, ooh, I really like that. And mm-hmm. then maybe you'll hear the original later on, and you're like, oh, I don't care for that nearly as much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the first time I saw, you know, subtitled versions of these movies, like that's what I consider to be like sort of like the be-all, end-all translation for the most part of these films. So like – Whenever I see a different version of it and it's got different subtitles, I'm, I'm like, that's not what they said. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know because I don't speak Japanese. But anyway, uh, he's got a good point because in the the uh, cut that I saw, the subtitles, set, they shot the missiles and Godzilla sensed them and turned King Ghidra's heads down so that the missiles hit King Ghidra instead of, instead of him. And the two... Uh, pilots, uh, subpilots said essentially, like, damn, and like, ah, you know. But in the subtitled version that we have here and the previous version, it changed between the two Sony subtitles. Did oh, you know that? Interesting. Nerdy stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they actually make it sound like it was a good thing, like, we got him, or, you know, good shot. And mm-hmm. it's not, no, that is not what they said at all. Like, that was a mistake. They didn't mean to hit King Ghidra. Anyway, it's pretty obvious when you watch the movie. Yeah. Back yeah. to what Mike said, though. Mike wants to know what the hell was up with all the screaming in this movie. People in this film have these spastic, contorted screams as though a ghost is giving them a hot water enema. Mike notes that Yuri looks good drunk, but she has a career as a television personality, and she still lives with her dad. Definitely a cultural thing. Speaking of which... Mike asks why we see so many single-parent families in these movies. Are there no families in Japan where mom and or dad isn't dead or whatever? He had some more brief observations. One, Baragon needs his ray back. Agree. Two, how is Mothra pulling people underwater without causing a disturbance on the lake's surface? Well, the answer to that question, Mike, is you just have to ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) Magic, Mike. It's called magic. It is called Magic Mike. That is a movie. <laughs> Three, Godzilla's toes were too stiff. They need to clench. I actually agree with that. But that's like what I was talking about, the trade-off with the mm-hmm. with the suit. Mm-hmm. 
Four, the oxygen destroyer was a secret. Mike is pretty sure that boat was full of reporters. Five, whatever you've got scheduled for tonight, cancel it. Really? Like giant monsters are attacking the country and something else is going to be on TV? (laughs) Six, hey Mothra, thanks for drawing Godzilla's breath our way. For the guys up at the tower. (laughs) Uh, Number seven, Godzilla's Ray looks better in this film than any other in the past 40 years, including Godzilla 2014. So there, Mike managed to throw in a positive comment about an admittedly good film. Where's his Pulitzer? (laughs) I've got it right here, Mike. (laughs) Jamie was very excited to see GMK up for this month's discussion, as it is easily one of his top five favorite Godzilla movies, hands down. There's simply so much to love about this movie that it's hard to pick any one thing, and to discuss it all would make this email very, very long. So Jamie will focus on the human characters, particularly Yuri and her father. As any monster movie can't be 100% monsters due to cost, the human characters must have a strong running narrative, and Yuri and Taizo Tachibana provide this. The acting was solid and the writing strong and their stories are tied in very well with Godzilla's. Yuri is out to film and document the monster as it carves out a path of destruction even as Taizo seeks to defend his country from it. There's also an undercurrent of critique on Japanese society with the source of Godzilla's power derived not just from the nuclear bomb fallout, but from the souls of both sides killed in World War II. Jamie felt it helped to invigorate Godzilla for a new age and added a cool supernatural mystique to the monster while explaining just why you can't destroy it with bombs and bullets and missiles. On a quick side note, it would have been cool to have had different monsters fighting the big G this time around, but it was interesting to see Ghidra in a hero role. John wants to preface this review by saying that he loves this movie. However, he is never as disappointed in an announcement of any Godzilla film as he was with GMK. Here we had Shusuke Kaneko, director of the Outstanding Gamera Trilogy, taking the helm of a Godzilla movie. Wow, this is great! Can't wait to hear more details. Then the details come. Mothra? Ghidra? Really? Has Toho lost any sense of originality? With all the kaiju to choose from, we once again get the two most overused beasts in the genre. Instead of Ghidra, how about a double shot of Rodan, paying tribute to that monster's original film? To make it worse, we'd later find out that Kaneko was forced to use Mothra and Ghidra. John had to take time to absorb the news and move on. It was still being directed by someone who absolutely proved he could make these movies better than most, if not all, and he did not disappoint. Kaneko did what many directors say they will do, bring Godzilla back to his roots. His badass, evil, frightening, anti-friend-to-all-children roots. Godzilla was a true monster in this film, and John loved it. It was great to see Kaneko paying homage to the 1954 original with the scene of him peering over the hilltop. The Godzilla suit is actually scary, and John attributes this to the dead white eyes. Pupils have never really been a strong point of any Godzilla suit, so let's just leave them out. And it worked. Baragon and Mothra were both well done, but after watching GMK this past week, he realized that he had the same that's-all-we-get reaction to Baragon, similarly to Brian Cranston in Godzilla 2014, would have liked to see more screen time. Unfortunately, Ghidra did not impress. Putting aside the fact that he was a good guy, this version is just too stiff. The fluid motions of yesteryear were not there. As far as the cast and their story, this movie proves that following around a reporter is much more interesting than following the military. 
John cared about these characters. They showed just enough of Yuri and her father being family that when it was time for them to face Godzilla separately, John was rooting for them. And how about a shout out to Hideo Amamoto playing that strange old man? He'll always be the non-Tardis Doctor Who to John, but it was really nice to see him come back to the kaiju world one last time. The Ko-Otani score wasn't John's favorite, but still memorable. His biggest issue with it was that Godzilla's theme was almost perfect. It needed to be slowed down a bit, though, to give it a more foreboding feel. On the flip side, he very much liked the Mothra theme. It fits nicely as Mothra emerged from her cocoon. The female voices that come in are a nice throwback to the Shobijin. John would absolutely show this to a kaiju newbie. In fact, this may be at the top of that list. Ian says that Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra Giant Monsters all-out attack is a great example of Toho running full force into Godzilla production. It works as an introduction movie for first-time kaiju watchers and appeals to die-hard kaiju fans. The blending of the human story between the father and daughter with the actions of the monsters is masterfully done, drawing parallels to Ghidra the three-headed monster, while being able to make itself fresh and new by drawing a more spiritual path for the monsters as hosts for the spirits of the dead. Even bringing Godzilla back to being the villain by him being the host for all the souls crying out for vengeance about being forgotten during the Pacific conflicts. The audience even gets to see how the military has to deal with political red tape before being able to confront the threat posed by the giant monster's all-out attack. Michael says that GMK is without a doubt the single most overrated Godzilla movie ever. Although this is by no means a bad movie, it's just mainly the mythos that this movie has set up that rubbed Michael the wrong way. Even though all the kaiju designs are outstanding, the same thing can't be said about their portrayal. His first gripe is with the portrayal of Godzilla as an evil and vengeful spirit. This is the only movie where Godzilla is truly the bad guy who directly targets his atomic breath right at innocent civilians. The old man explains that Godzilla is attacking humanity because Japan wants to forget what happened. Forget what happened? Pearl Harbor? Hiroshima? Nagasaki? The original Godzilla attack? Uh, yes, actually, all of those, uh, Michael, that is correct. All of those things. Michael thinks Shusuke Kaneko did a much better job portraying Gamera than he did Godzilla because Gamera still behaved like Gamera. Godzilla is not evil, he's just a force of nature with an animal's instinct who is willing to protect the Earth from aliens, other kaiju, and humans. This aspect on how Godzilla should be portrayed is better done with Godzilla Final Wars and even Gareth Edwards' Godzilla 2014 outing. Godzilla is scarier as a force of nature in movies like the original and with Mothra vs. Godzilla because it just makes him more unpredictable. So I, I totally want to take a sidebar here and say, like, I believe in the GMK Godzilla. Like, on a personal level, like, I feel like if Godzilla really came ashore, forget about the fact that he was resurrected by the beast, uh, the, by the spirits of the undead from World War II, all that stuff. If Godzilla really showed up, started attacking things and cities, I think that GMK would be very similar to what we would really get in real life if yeah. Godzilla was a monster. Although, I think so. In, probably in reality, he would like come on shore and then fall asleep somewhere and sleep all day <laughs> long and then get up. <laughs> If it's anything like my dog. The, <laughs> anyway, back to Michael's review. As for the rest of the kaiju, Baragon was the best due to his agility and his new roars, which would resonate better with a kaiju of his size. Mothra was as real looking as ever, even though the stinger was a bit excessive. Then there's Ghidra. You would think since Kaneko saw Ghidra the three-headed monster as a kid, he would know what he should be like. A true demon from outer space who is guaranteed to give Godzilla a tough fight. 
So why, why, why did Kaneko make him a good guy and make him so weak that he was easily dispatched by Godzilla not once, not twice, but three times? He should have been replaced with Varan or have had the roles reversed so that Godzilla was the third guardian monster and have King Ghidra be the villain. Or have the roles reversed so that Godzilla was the third guardian monster and have King Ghidra be the villain. Final analysis, 2.5 out of 5 stars. Kaneko should have stuck with Gamera. Also, did you know that when Kaneko directed episode 11 of Ultraman Max, which set out to reintroduce the magnetic kaiju antlar from the original Ultraman, Kaneko got the okay from Toho and Daie slash Katakawa to shoot a scene involving two boys playing kaiju fight with Godzilla 2001 and Gamera 1999 toys on a playground. This scene was only used for the original airing of the episode, though. What Charlie liked most about GMK is that, yes, while it had the usual human elements, the focus is a more kaiju-based story. The fact that Kaneko had the courage, and oddly Toho allowed him, to put the spin on this movie, allowing King Ghidra to be the good guy, like, what? And then make it work just shows how creative and talented he truly is. Bring back Baragon and making him cuter than ever <laughs> ha, uh, was just plain fun. Agreed, Charlie. Uh, being dispatched quickly kept the reality of the power of Godzilla intact. Yes, sorry, Jeff. We could have done without yet another visit from Mothra and really even Ghidra. But Kaneko managed to make them somewhat and somehow more interesting. They blended with the story as opposed to being more of a focus point. On the always needed human elements, Yuri from Digital Q makes for one of the most interesting characters ever in a Godzilla film. Neither damsel in distress nor kick butt karate chick, she has real problems, honest flaws, and overcomes them with just plain courage. Her ragtag misfit bargain basement of the airwaves team at Digital Q makes you really want them to succeed. The effects in this movie are as good as they have ever been in any Godzilla film. The ghostly white eyes of Godzilla make this particular rendition more menacing than perhaps any other. It's almost as if he's not the only unstoppable force, but perhaps just pure evil bent on destruction. With the end coming after all the Guardian monsters have failed to stop Godzilla, then bringing it back to a sole human to stop this creature. Just an incredible buildup and finale. Bug has a hard time calling this or Destroya his absolute favorite, but GMK just has all the elements needed in a Godzilla film to satisfy. This is definitely the most menacing and evil look Godzilla has ever had, even with the Thunder Thighs. Godzilla probably ate too much of that awesome-looking beef the Digital Q members were having in the restaurant. I totally agree. That looked really good. <laughs> Bug generally doesn't care as much about the human characters in Godzilla films as he does the monsters, but between Yuri, her father, the boys being scared of her father, and Yuri's squid-leg-chewing boss, you can't help but be interested in the characters. It's still great with Ghidra and Mothra, but you can't help but wonder what it would have been like with Varen and Angulus. The effects in this movie are just far beyond what the budget should have allowed, but please, enough Mothra. Sorry, Jeff. What's your problem? <laughs> I'm doing a terrible impersonation. Oh, that now. was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him. Okay. Bug would have liked to have seen more Baragon, but he just didn't stand a chance against Godzilla, and that kept it real. 
The old guy character didn't make a whole lot of sense, but the rest of the movie is so good, who cares? And to make a great movie even better, The Dog Lived. Yay! The Dog Lived! And finally, the first time Rich watched GMK, he had to turn off the channel before it was finished. Since then, he's gone back, watched all the way through. It's still not one of his favorites, but it's maybe not as bad as he first thought. To give it his Sergio Leone, the good. The human characters are interesting and multidimensional. The interactions between Admiral Tachibana and his daughter are thought out and realistic. They feel like real people in real situations rather than stereotypes. Naval personnel stating that the Americans thought that the monster attacking New York was Godzilla, but it actually wasn't, was priceless. The bad. Baragon was okay when he wasn't being tossed around or being kicked in the gravel pits, but Mothra and Ghidra are just miscast. Wikipedia says director Shusuke Kadeko wanted Angulus and Varan instead, and Rich thinks that could have worked. He saw Mothra vs. Godzilla's first run in 1964, and this was a particularly bad example of post-Showa downsizing. Ghidra as a good guy feels as awkward as John Wayne doing a cooking show. The original Showa pair were each more than a match for the big G, and handicapping them to make the movie work feels like a stretch. The Ugly The Suits Ghidra flying with the wings so small they would look silly on a cheap cartoon was bad enough, but a hunchback, potbelly Godzilla with little orphan Annie eyes, Rich can do without. <laughs> Too distracting, and he just can't put it aside. I've heard that about wow. that r- little orphan Annie eyes, yeah. and I just, That's I don't know, funny. I think it looks cool, but yeah. yeah I don't know. Anyway, so there you have it. That's our discussion for September 2015, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters All at Attack. Uh, quite possibly the best movie ever made in the history of movies. No arguments allowed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a question for you guys, actually, yeah. because we have our Daikaiju discussion movie scheduled for October, but mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking about changing it. So instead of King Kong Escapes, which we'll just then oh. push to December, which is a great film, we could – Watch a yokai film for our daikaiju discussion. Mm. Therefore, yokai would be very appropriate. Yeah, and we're gonna. I'm gonna try and. I'm not positive it's gonna happen, but I think I get to interview Zach Davison via Skype, and he wrote a book about. uh, He translates a bunch of stuff, and he wrote a a yokai book. So. Do you, you like that idea? Yeah. I, I dig okay. it. Yeah, I think so that's a cool idea. Now the question is, which movie? Because there's the three originals and then there's the Great Yokai War remake. None of these are available in the high-definition media, but they are available. You can get them if you want to. I think the, I think the easiest to get movie is probably the newest film, mm-hmm. The Great Yokai War, directed by yeah. uh, Takashi Miike. So we could do that one. That would be easier for listeners who don't already have the movies. Sure. Pick it out. So we want to do that. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that sounds cool. I've never seen it. So. Oh, sweet. All right, then. So there you have it, listeners. We've made an executive decision. We are going to be watching The Great Yokai War. Now, this is the 2005 film, not the 1968 film. So watch that and have your homework turned in by October 23rd to have your thoughts, questions, reviews, a.k.a. your homework included in the Daikaiju discussion for October. Um, now, like I mentioned at the top of the show, 
We're sick. So we're literally closing out the show right now. There's nothing else to talk about. I know there were some news items that sort of happened. Some news stories came about. We'll be back soon. We also didn't do a fourth episode for this month. So I'm not going to force these guys to do another one right now. Uh, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, we are going to close out the show with one final song. And that is actually from Animetal's Subaraya mix. Uh, this is the Ultraman Leo theme for Patrick. We'll see you next month. Jamata. Okay.